Now, hear the gospel. According to St. Matthew in chapter 28 at the first verse. After the Sabbath, that's Saturday, as Sunday was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. For he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Now give me for a moment your imagination. It's Sunday morning in old Jerusalem. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary are going out. They're going to take a walk. They don't know it. But this is going to be one of those Bible walks where by the end of the time that you've made your journey, your whole world has got to be looked at again in a very different way. And I want us to take this walk with the two Marys this morning in our imagination. So let's walk along with them. And we'll use Matthew, whose gospel we heard this morning, as our guide. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary are going out to see the tomb of Jesus. To visit that bleak monument to the sadness that there is in their souls. They are brokenhearted, these women, as they begin the walk. 
It's the first chance that they've had since they saw him being killed and then placed in the tomb and then the big stone rolled across in front of it. It's been the first chance they've had to go out and do anything about this. They couldn't do anything on the Saturday, of course. That was the Sabbath and it would have been quite inappropriate to go then. Though Matthew in the earlier chapter did tell us that the authorities were not above putting some guards out around this tomb and sealing the stone shut just in case there should be any kind of jiggery-pokery going on. I mean, you do wonder, don't you, what these powerful people must have been anxious about with this dead body. Anyway, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were going to see the tomb. That's all, I'm afraid. That is the point of the journey in Matthew's Gospel. It must have been a very heavy moment. Have you experienced those kind of heavy moments? I recall when my grandfather died, the last member of my family to be buried and not cremated. And some of us went the very next day after the funeral down to his grave to set the flowers right, to grieve some more. And people do this, don't they? This is perfectly normal, acceptable, one might say, almost proper behavior. Mary and the other Mary are only doing what we would do in a world in which it seems nothing much can be done about death and its finality. The killing of Jesus, which they'd seen on the Friday, That man they loved so much had been cruel and brutal. I mean, you wouldn't do it to a dog. They'd followed Jesus all the way from the hills of Galilee. I don't suppose they liked being in this big city at all, for all its violence and bitterness. But they loved Jesus. And they are walking out this morning just to go down to be near his body to visit the grave again. That's what this walk begins with. And they began the walk doubtless with all sorts of emotions within them, you know, that go with bereavement, sadness, bitterness, some anger. And they also took with them all of the obvious assumptions which belonged with their everyday world. And when you start to think about it, those assumptions are pretty much the sort of assumptions you and I still make about the world that we live in. I mean, just think about their world and our world together. It can be a very cruel place, this world. Very cruel. It's one where people's hopes can get severely dashed and broken. And it seems that sometimes peace has very little chance, however much we sing about it. The rich get richer, usually at the expense of other people becoming poor. 
And there's usually some Pontius Pilate or another ready to cause suffering and keep the powerful in their place. And the plebs, that's us, in our place as well, Mr. Mugabe comes to mind. People hatch murderous plots. This morning's news told of yet another suicide bus bomber. Wickedness of every kind. You just read the newspapers and there it all is. And the two Marys knew that that was what the world was like. They had just seen brutality done to their loved one. And we read the papers and watch the television and there it is all again. And of course in this world, one of the major facts about this world is that the dead stay dead. That's the world in which Mary Magdalene and the other Mary begin their Sunday walk and we're setting off with them. People very often say, this is the real world. Right? You've heard that phrase? This, we may not like it, it may have some horrible things about it, but this is the real world. And when it's done, it comes down to death. Well, it doesn't take them long. And eventually they get down to the cemetery. And Matthew, did you notice it? Matthew says, the earth begins to shake. Do you notice that little? The earth begins to shake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Or on the edge of an earthquake? It can be very, very frightening. I mean, what can you trust if you can't trust the stability, the foundations of the earth? I have friends who don't like flying for one moment. No, they say, I want to keep my feet on firm ground. Okay, supposing the ground starts to move. Supposing the ground starts to move that you thought was so stable and finished and secure. You notice, this is the way this Sunday morning begins with these women. This shaking. It doesn't begin with some cheery, hi everybody, welcome, good to see you, great. It begins with the shaking of foundations. And a strange messenger who rolls back the gravestone before casually sitting upon it. This walk is already beginning to turn into something very unexpected and frankly just a little bit scary. You begin to wonder, are the deep fault lines? of the two Mary's existence beginning to shift? Is their whole world beginning to be thrown into confusion? And now, in a way, you know, that's exactly what Matthew is recognizing and what Matthew is going to hope that we will recognize, we who hear this story this morning. No one, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, or anyone else for that matter, expected anything except that the tomb would be closed and the dead stay 
dead. And we know where we are in this world. It may be difficult to live with, but at least we know where we are in this world. Sad as it sometimes is, they did not expect this earth-shaking drum roll. Whatever is going to happen next? The guards who had been appointed to look after this dead body whose simple task it was to guard the tomb of a dead man. I mean, that's not rocket science, is it? It's a pretty easy option, really. They were already, says Matthew, shattered. Their cemetery duty, which they had assumed was irritating, got to be up all night, but after all, it's dead easy, isn't it? It was turning into a nightmare. They thought it would all be a bit of a doddle. After all, they were soldiers. They could see off any grave robbers, no problem at all. And and nothing was going to change inside the tomb, right? The dead are supposed to stay that way, right? Only Matthew says that when they saw the messenger, they shook and they became like dead men. Is it his joke? Are here the real candidates for the grave? These soldiers, these pathetic soldiers, shaking with fear? The earth shook, says Matthew. And now the guards shake. When you read Matthew's gospel, as Robert, frankly, pointed out to us last Sunday at Didsbury, on Palm Sunday in the story there, when you read this part of Matthew's Gospel, it seems as if there's a whole lot of shaking going on. You know, Matthew uses a rather strange New Testament Greek word. It only crops up three times in the whole of the New Testament. It crops up on Palm Sunday. Do you remember when Matthew says the whole city was in turmoil, shaking as Jesus entered into it? There's that word. And then on Good Friday, as Jesus is crucified, he says the earth shook and graves were opened and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And now this morning on our walk, Shaking of the foundations is there again. What's going on in this world of ours, this real world of ours? What's going on with all this shaking? Oh, don't be afraid, says the angel messenger. Don't be afraid. He's joking, surely. (laughs) He must be having a laugh. If you were there, with the two Marys, wouldn't you find this a really scary moment? All of this shaking. This is not your normal walk down to the cemetery to tend the flowers and look after the grave. They never expected anything like this at all. Of course they were scared. Their whole world is being thrown into turmoil. Nothing, it seems, is staying in its normal, settled place. Something is going on here that is mind-blowing. You're looking for Jesus, says the messenger. 
Well, he's not here. You won't find him among the dead. He's been raised as he said he would be. Oh, yes, St. Mary. Yeah, he did say that. Of course, no one believed him. In our world, the dead stay dead. Right? Go and tell his disciples, says the messenger. Go and tell the disciples, he's been raised from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. That's the message. You still feel the shaking, can't you? And Matthew says these women ran from the tomb in fear and great joy. They had come to see the dead. But their walk had taken an unexpectedly amazing turn. It scared them. But they could not deny the great joy, the great unexpected possibility that this might be true because the news that they had seen and heard, it both frightened them and set them singing. Now, look, brothers and sisters, what are we talking about? What is Matthew saying has actually happened here? There used to be an old joke about two things you could be absolutely sure of. You know what they are? Death and taxes. It turns out this saying may be only half right. You can be sure about taxes. The way we assumed the world used to be can no longer be counted upon. That's what Matthew's saying. The world you assume is normal and straightforward. Your understanding of it can no longer be counted upon. What kind of a world is it now? If death is no longer the end, If the finality of human existence and all God's purposes is not six feet down with a big slab to make sure nothing happens. Arthur Kersler, the American commentator, once said that the dropping of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima was the most significant day in the whole story of the world. He said nothing that we'd assumed from the past could ever be assumed again in the future. But Kersler was wrong. Because Hiroshima was only just one more expression of the same destructive evil we are capable of, only more so. Hiroshima was not something new. In a way, it was just more of the same. No. The most significant day in all human history, in your life and mine, the most significant day is what we're celebrating this morning. That Easter day, that Easter morning, the day the tomb of Jesus was empty because he was raised from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. You see, in what we call the real world, 
we believed and still believe that if something troubling gets in our way, like a call for greater racial justice or the invitation to seek a new world, a kingdom based on something other than wealth, or any other inconvenient or idea or person, well, we simply remove them. We rub them out, kill it if necessary, be done with it, and then we say, well, that's the end of that. Only now. You see, because of Jesus risen, righteousness, mercy, peace, to use those big Bible terms, All the things which belong to what Jesus called the kingdom of God and which we think are so marginal, so peripheral to our real world, these can no longer easily be dismissed and certainly not buried and shoved away under bombs and swords. The good news today, you see, is not just that death is not the last word, Because that itself could be a fairly frightening prospect. No, the good news is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. That's the great good news. This Jesus, whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead. Jesus, the man of love and mercy, who welcomes strangers and little children, who healed the sick, who thought that feeding the hungry and caring for the desolate and looking after children was more important than almost anything else. Jesus, who confronted the world's brutal power and corrupt religion with nothing but love and love and trust in the living God. This is the Jesus who was crucified, who dealt with In the way that we deal with these things that trouble us in the world. Jesus who died because of our sin. Because of the world as it is. This is the one whom God has raised from the dead. And the implications therefore of this day are enormous when we begin to believe them and think about them. And they are all good Great good news. You see, what we still think is normal, like hating your enemy, or looking after number one, or serving yourself, or not taking God too seriously, all of this is suddenly put in its place. And we are invited to look at our lives again, where our heart, where our treasure, where our mind really is fixed. The world is turned upside down on Easter morning. You remember, you see, it's not Pilate, the representative of all those who have big political and military clout, and it's not Caiaphas, who stands for all of those people with great religious resources and control behind. It's not over these people or their inheritors over whom God speaks the great resurrection. Yes! They said no to Jesus. They said no to his kingdom. 
And they still do that. But today we celebrate the God who raised Jesus from the dead. The one despised and rejected of men. The one who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. It's over this one that God said yes and raised him from the dead. That's why Paul told the Christians at Corinth never ever to despair. I know the church is sometimes going to get you down. But never ever despair. Everything you do in the Lord will stand and will not prove to be useless. If you are living in the life of Christ, if you are doing the things that belong to his kingdom, these are the things that will stand because these are the things over which God has said, yes, Paul writes to the Romans and he said, now look, you're called to be a different people. You who believe in Jesus, you who know the power of the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Where selfishness and godlessness and death rule. Don't be that kind of people, he's saying. Remember Jesus risen from the dead, he says to the young church leader, Timothy, in the conviction that sin and death and hell shall never or us final triumph gain. For God is love and God has raised Jesus from the dead. This is the last and final word about your life and mine and that of the whole world. And we have heard that message this morning. Well, what have we heard? Matthew's word can be summed up in this way. Indeed, he provides a kind of summary for us. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. And God says, do not be afraid. Go and tell the world To come to me for forgiveness and reconciliation and healing. If there is hope anywhere in this world, it is with me. And they will see me as you will see me. And I will make brothers and sisters of you all a new family that not even death can destroy. Now I know that takes some believing and some trusting. To actually live with this conviction. The message of Easter Day, the whole message of Jesus in a way, stands in contradiction to just about every way by which we still live. Like the cross is there forever as a sign of contradiction. What was it that happened on the first Easter Day? God happened, that's what. The God we hardly dare to believe in most of the time. The God who was in Jesus in his only son. We threw him out of our world because frankly he was difficult, too difficult to live with. 
So we crucified him and buried him and we placed guards over the tomb to make sure he stayed well and truly dead. But God is God. And God has acted. And God has raised Jesus from the dead. It's scary and it's joyful all at once. So come on then. Let's sing our hallelujahs. And then go and tell the world that things are not as they seem. Not in this really real world where God is at work. The God who has raised Jesus above all our sin and failure and despair and hopelessness and even death. For Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, what wonder is this? We cannot for a moment profess to understand all that goes on here. You have spoken your word to us, and it's a word of life in the midst of a dying world. And just as Jesus called friends to follow him, and be part of the new world, the world of your kingdom. So again this morning, you call us to trust you and live the way of your kingdom in the confidence that you speak the word of life. And that you speak the word of life even in the face of death. So all praise be yours, living God, for who you are, the creator and recreator of the world. All praise be yours, living God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, and is raised for us. And all praise be yours, living God, the Holy Spirit, who takes of the things of Christ and shows them to us moving in our hearts right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the mystery before whom we bow, the love that will not let us go. The power that renews us. To you be glory and honor and praise 
forever and forever. Amen. So we sing our final hymn together, uh, a strong, big affirmation of the truth the scriptures have told us, that Jesus Christ is risen, and we sing our hallelujahs.